Welcome to Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. As we talk about the church this morning, we find in this particular passage that we read today, there's a shifting going on. There's a shifting going on from the focus of the seed of Abraham, the nation of Israel, the temple, and all those things associated with the old covenant. And now Jesus is beginning to bring attention to this new thing that would be called the church. And through the church, and though the church, excuse me, though the church would not be full as bride into the world until the day of Pentecost, this was Jesus beginning to reveal his bride if you know that we as people, we can't always handle all the change all at one time. And so Jesus is beginning to reveal something that the world has never seen before. He's beginning to reveal his church, his bride. First thing that we look at here, Jesus asks the question. He asks his disciples, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Well, Jesus asked the question, so I believe that it's significant that we recognize who those around us say that he is. You see, I think it's important. So I think it's important that we recognize where we are. I shared as I opened Wednesday morning uh, 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 service at camp meeting, I shared where uh, the numbering of the troops for David the first time, and it mentions the son of Issachar, the sons of Issachar that had understanding of the times. Listen, I believe that Jesus shows us here. He's asking the the disciples, hey, who does everybody around you, who's everybody saying that I am? We are in this world, but we are not of this world. But I think it's important that we look around us and we see what's going on in our world. I don't believe that God's called us to just stick our heads in the sand and ignore everything that's going on around us. I think it's important that we recognize what's happening in our world, that we see what's going on in our world so that we can become more effective ambassadors for Christ, so that we can be more effective as his people, as his church. And so Jesus questions them the first thing. He said, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they start saying, well, you know, some say, John the Baptist, you know, they, yeah, some say, yeah, I've heard that one. Somebody else speaks up and says, well, I, I, some, some call you Elijah. Some believe that you're the prophet Elijah that's come back. And they say, yeah, I've heard that one too. Another one pipes up and says, some, some say that you're Jeremiah, that weeping prophet. And they say, yeah, I've, I've heard that. And they say, well, you know, or one of the prophets And so then they continue on, and we look at this, and as we look at our world today, as I would ask that same question, as Jesus asked the disciples, I ask you the question that Jesus said, who do people today say that he is? Well, religious-type people say different things. It depends on the religion. Well, many of the Jews uh, said that he was the son of Mary, and that he was a good man, and he was a teacher. The Mormons say that he's one God among many and that he's actually the spirit brother of the devil. The Jehovah Witnesses say that he is an archangel like Michael. New Agers believe that he is a divine avatar. Muslims believe that he was a good man and a prophet. The Hindus have their own view 
The rest of religions have, I can't name every religion and what they think about him. But then those that are not even consider themselves religious in any way, some of them even believe that he was a, Jesus was a religious figure. Some of them believe that Jesus, he was a good man, that he said good things. And some even say, well, Jesus, I guess he's in the same category with that Muhammad guy, the Buddha guy, and the great cosmos. These people have all kinds of different opinions of who Jesus is. But I want to let you know today, we haven't been called to retreat from the world or be intimidated by what the world says or what the world thinks. Jesus was challenging them. And listen, can I tell you this? Don't get mad at your pastor. I believe that there is good when there's a little bit of challenge to your faith. Jesus challenged theirs. He didn't say, plug your ears, boys. Don't you dare listen to what anybody else says about me. He asked him, what's everybody saying about me? He lets them then answer. Listen, we hear so many different things, different opinions from religious type people to people that don't even claim to be religious, and everybody has all kinds of different opinions on who Jesus is. And we have not been called, we cannot be intimidated just because somebody else has got a different opinion about Jesus than we do. Just because this group has an opinion about about Jesus and it's different than mine, that should not make me back down from what I believe and what I know that Jesus is. Just because the atheists believe something or the Muslims believe something or the New Agers believe something, I will not be intimidated by what the world says or thinks about Jesus. Our college students especially are having their faith challenged by unbelieving professors. Now, I don't, I don't have any stories in particular. I'm sure some might could tell me. I don't have any particular stories from our university, but I do have a specific story of a young lady when I was pastoring in Loosedale. She had went to Southern Miss as a freshman, and she came home, and she was telling me about one of her classes and how the professor was not just challenging, because I believe that there should be, as I've said already, there's a good challenge to our faith. There's times that we need to be challenged to make us think a little bit, study a little bit, pray a little bit. There's a good amount of challenge, but she told me about how one of the professors was just determined to any person, any student that claimed to be a Christian, how he would mock Christianity, intimidate them. Can I tell you, and I've shared this with you before from the time that I walked in, how so many young people, we are seeing so um, a crazy percentage of young people when they are even raised in church lose their faith between the ages of 18 and 24. Walk away from their faith. They're being challenged by who Jesus is. Can I tell you something? I don't care what anybody else says. We have got to make up our minds that we know who Jesus is. We've been called to be in this world, but not of this world. You see, if we don't show them and tell them about Jesus, how are they ever going to know about Jesus? Romans 10, 13 and 14 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
We always like that verse, don't we? I do. I mean, it's a great verse. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then verse 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, I'm going to tell you something. You, don't, you may not want to hear this. Uh, listen, I know that you may not be called. I do believe in the fivefold ministry. You may not be called into one of those, but I believe that every single one of us who is a Christian, we've got a responsibility to share the gospel. You may not ever share it behind a pulpit. You may not ever hold a microphone or, 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 or stand behind a podium of some type. But listen, I believe that every single one of us that have been born again, that have our, have our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, we have a responsibility to tell people about Jesus. And your greatest sermon is how you live your life around your coworkers. Your greatest sermon is how you live your life amongst your friends friends and your family, you can touch people's lives that I will never touch. There's people that you're going to come in contact with at work or at school or wherever you may be that you're able to show more Jesus to them. They may never come and sit in this sanctuary and listen to me. They may never turn on a podcast and listen to me preach, but they've got to be with you when they work with you and they deal with you and you have the opportunity to share Jesus with them. Can I just tell you something? This world, everybody else has an opinion of Jesus. And listen, it's all right. You don't have to, you don't have to attack them and you don't have to do any of that. And you can sit back and you can talk with people and you can listen to what they have to say. But don't you be intimidated. Say, I respect that. But can I tell you about what I believe about Jesus? You see, Christians have come to that place where we just, oh, we don't even want to talk about it. We don't want to. No, you've got to be bold enough to speak up and talk about Jesus to this world. Secondly, then Jesus asked, but whom say ye that I am? You see, we're the only ones that can answer for ourselves. You see, it really it, it matters, but I cannot, what I believe about Jesus can't determine what you believe about Jesus. Because even as your pastor even though you come and you are willing to, to, to allow me to be your pastor, your under-shepherd, even though you listen to me preach, and yes, I can have influence over you, but the bottom line is every single human being has to decide for themselves, but whom do you say Jesus is? We must know who he is. You see, when we, when we begin in the Old Testament, we find a whole lot of different names for the Lord. We find names like El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty. We find names like El Elyon, which means the Lord Most High. We find names like Adonai, which means Lord Master. We find names like Yahweh, which means Lord Jehovah. We find names like Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. We find names like Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord my shepherd. We find names like Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. We find names like Jehovah Shammah, 
the Lord is there. We find names like Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. We find the names of God such as El Olam, the everlasting God. We find the name of Elohim, which means God. We find the name Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. We find the name Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. We find the name Jehovah Sabbath, which means the Lord of hosts. You see, these names that we find in the Old Testament point to what the Lord is, who Jesus is. Jesus looked at them and said, but do who do you say that I am? And this morning, can I tell you this? When I put those names together and I look at all that God has done for me, I'm reminded, I know y'all probably get sick of me saying this, but I'm reminded of some of those old songs that I used to sing. And I remember singing to me, he's become everything. He's everything that I need. The beginning, then the end. He's my dearest friend. To me, he's become everything. If you ask me, who do I say that Jesus is? He is my everything. He's everything I'll ever need. He's everything that I'll ever want and desire. He has become everything to me. So then we find an answer. Aren't you thankful for Peter? And he opens his mouth. Sometimes it's good. This time it was good. <laughs> Sometimes he opens his mouth and it's good. Sometimes it's not so good. But, of course, we all know the spokesman, the blabber mouth. Peter's the first one to open up his mouth. And he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. We look at Peter's answer. Thou art the Christ. It's the word, the name Christos, the anointed one. And this is a name applied to Jesus by early Greek-speaking Christians. As you know, at the time the New Testament was written, at the time that Jesus was here on earth in the flesh incarnate, that most of the world were speaking that Greek language, the koine, the common Greek and Christos was the name that those early Christians called him by. But it was a translation of the Hebrew word which meant uh, Meshua, or uh, anointed of the Messiah. You see, Yeshua was a translation of the Hebrew name Joshua. But in the thought of Jesus, we hear the name Yeshua HaMashiach. In other words, they were saying that he is the son of the living God. And that is the crux of the gospel, that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son. He's the Son of the living God. He's the one that came down from heaven. He is the Messiah. He is the Yeshua. He is Christos, whatever you want to call him. Call his name Jesus. But he is the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer of all humanity. And Jesus looks at big mouth Peter and he said, Peter, Flesh and blood didn't reveal this one to you. This is something that we cannot figure out by ourselves. This is not something that we can understand in the natural. Could it be that we don't understand who Jesus is because we're still trying to look through our flesh and blood, our strength, our wisdom, our sight? Now, I think that you've gotten accustomed to me enough by now, most of you. And listen, I, I, I believe that I've seen some people and they, and they get 
Lord, they see a devil behind every rock, and, and, and they, get, they get so, so just, 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 I don't want to say so too spiritual, but they, they get so just out there. But at the same time, I've seen how I think we've gone kind of backwards also the other way, and we become so fleshly. We become so fleshly that we want to try to do everything in our flesh and we want to do everything in our own strength and we want to do everything in our own understanding. And can I tell you that salvation is not a fleshly thing. Salvation is a spiritual thing. You see, in order to do, when Jesus said, Peter, you didn't, flesh and blood didn't, re, didn't reveal this to you. There's no way you could have ever understood this on your own, Peter. Can I tell you something today? That I am certainly not a good enough preacher. And we couldn't even bring in the best preacher in the world. And you or I ever truly understand just simply through the words of man who Jesus Christ is. No, it is a spiritual thing. It is something that takes spiritual understanding. In this case, Jesus said the Father revealed it. But we know according to the Scripture, after Jesus left, he sent the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says unless the Spirit draws a man, he cannot know Jesus Christ. And so it's a spiritual thing. I can't preach it good enough. We can't teach it good enough to get you to understand who Jesus is. But there is one, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God, that will come in and he'll speak to you and it won't matter sense in the natural but through the spirit you can understand who Jesus is he said the father in heaven revealed manifested this to you years of simply just studying and learning can't reveal who Jesus is now I'm not telling you to not study I think they go hand in hand I think we got to have the logos, the written word, and we need the spirit to guide us and to teach us in it. You see, some people just want to study, 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 and they don't want the spirit, and they can't get it with just study, study, study. Some people just want to shandai and shout everywhere and never even know anything about the Bible. You ain't going to get it either. Can I tell you, we got to have them both. We've got to have the Word and we got to have the Spirit because the Spirit is the author of this thing anyway. The Spirit of the Lord moved on those men of old as they wrote these holy scriptures. He said, Upon this rock, Jesus did. What rock? Because in this dialogue, we see two rocks. Somebody say two rocks. First of all, we see Jesus says, thou art Peter. And when you study the Greek, that word Peter is also Petros. It's where it comes from, which actually means small pebble. The name of Petros was a surname or a title like Rocky. You see, I want to talk to you for just a moment about the fact that every single one of us are human. We all struggle. None of us are perfect. And we are not the ones that the church can be built on. Peter Peter could not be the one that the church was built on. We know that before, that after this, before Jesus is crucified, as he's there on that mock trial, that Peter will do what? He'll deny Jesus three times. We know that the church is not built on human beings. That's why churches that are simply built 
on personalities and on pastors will collapse. There have been many churches, I'm not going to name any, but I could. There have been many churches over the years that were built on the charismatic personalities of a pastor or a leader. And when that pastor or that leader that it was built on fell or even not even their fault, maybe even died, that the church disintegrated. Can I tell you that I believe it is my responsibility as pastor of this church here not to build this church on Dennis Laughlin because I'm going to tell you I'm going to let you down at some point. It's not to build it on me and my personality because there's some days, and you can ask these three ladies sitting up there, there's some days that they don't even like me. My job as a pastor is not to build this church on me because I'm just a person. I am, I am futile. I am, I am not perfect in any sense of the word. My job here is not to build this church on myself. He said, you are Peter. You are a pebble. But he said upon, he said, you are Peter. But he said upon this rock, the second rock, That second rock is a different word. The first rock is Petros. The second rock is Petra, which means a stone or a large stone. Some some believe, of course, we don't have pictures here. There weren't photographs, and Jesus wasn't Facebook Live at the time. But there are some commentators that believe that Jesus, as he was teaching, was pointing at Peter and said, Thou art Petros, thou art the pebble, but upon this, and pointed at himself and said, but upon this rock, the Petra, the large stone, also as going back to what he said, that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus Christ is the rock. That is what we can build the church on, and it will never fail. I just need to tell, I told you, we're not going to build this thing on me. We're not going to build this thing on my personality. We're not even going to build it on a denomination. But what we will build this thing on is the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that Jesus Christ is the soon coming King. In Psalm 61, he's the rock that is higher. In Psalm 118.22, he's the stone that has been rejected but is now the chief cornerstone. In 1 Corinthians 10 and 4. He's the spiritual rock that we drink from. This is who the church will be built upon. It is him. It is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. That little phrase, upon this rock, on top of this rock, Jesus is wanting to build the church. I preached to you a couple weeks ago And I mentioned to you that Greek word for church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the people that will carry on the gospel message is being built upon a rock, Jesus Christ. This church, 
the whosoever church that I talked about. Remember, I talked to you, I told you we like that in the book of Romans where whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The whosoever church is being built on the rock. The empowered church, the one to whom on the day of Pentecost the Holy Ghost would fall and empower, it's that church, the faith church, the sanctified church, the ageless church, the church in which Jesus is coming back to receive again. It is that church that is being built on top of the rock, Jesus. This rock walks through the fire. He was there in the fiery furnace. Y'all remember that story? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego got thrown in there, and the king said, I see. And they, he, the king said, how many boy, How many we throw in there? And they said, three. He, the king said, I see four. I see those three boys. I recognize them walking around. I see a fourth man in the fire, and the fourth one looks like the Son of God. This rock walks through the fire. We say that doesn't seem that important or that impressive for a rock, but can I remind you that not only did this rock walk through the fire, but this rock also walks on the water. Now, that's a feat right there because you can find you some water somewhere and you take you a rock and you put it on there and it bloop, it's going straight down to the bottom. But this rock walks on water. This rock conquers death. This rock consoles grief. This rock provides a victory to the battle. We lift, we, we build our lives upon this rock. And when we build our lives on him as our foundation, this rock lifts us. This rock steadies us. This rock preserves us. He himself said that the foolish man builds his house on the sand and when the winds come and the storms come that that house collapses and it's a great disaster but the wise man builds his house on the rock. He doesn't say the storms won't ever come, no. But he said when they do come and the winds blow and the rains come, the life that is built on the solid rock of Jesus will stand through every storm that comes our way. Upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail. So let's look at that. The gates of hell. Gates represent ownership. If you've ever been to any real fancy place, many times if you go and there's gates there, you'll see Sometimes an initial of the last name of the person that owns the joint. Y'all seen that before, haven't you? Or you'll see some sort of representation, a logo. Sometimes even at a farm or something. You'll see above it a sign above the gate, above the entrance. It represents ownership. In a sense, we could even just go right down here. And as you go to any of the entrances of the university, you see the large signs that says Mississippi State University. It's a gateway in. It's a representation of ownership. It surrounds all that it consists of and all that is important to 
them. The gates of hell, it's Hades, death, hell in the grave. This emphasizes Satan, his powers, and his minions. The darkness that operates to destroy the church. So Jesus here, when he talks about the gates of hell, he's talking about Satan who has a limited kingdom, who has a limited, and he's trying to keep everything that he has together. But Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail. You see, the enemy will not overcome the church. You see, there's something about gates. Gates do something. They, they, oh, they do two things. They either open or they close. But gates don't typically move. Gates are a fixed thing that just simply moves on hinges or maybe even can be lifted or lowered. But they don't move. And so, so many times when we read this, we say, well, the devil's going to come against us. But when he comes against us, he's not going to prevail. I don't know about you. I grew up. Y'all know I grew up just up the road in Houston. And we had a whole lot of gates. And I opened and shut a whole lot of gates. But I never saw a lot of gates move around. What that says to me is Jesus has told us as the church that we're not just supposed to be on the defense all the time. But if we are on, if we're attacking the gates, that means that we're on the offensive. In other words, we're going to walk up to the gates of hell where the enemy has captured our loved ones, where the enemy has captured our children and our grandchildren, where the enemy has captured our young people, and where Jesus already took the keys. And I believe that the gates won't prevail when we get ready to kick down the gates of hell and say, we're going to win back a generation. We're going to win back our young people. We're going to win back all the loss that the enemy has captured. No matter what is inside the gates of hell, it will not overcome the church. If you'll build your life on the rock, Jesus Christ, no matter what the devil tries to throw your way, he will not prevail. Thanks for listening to our podcast. To find out more about us, follow us on social media at StarkvilleCOG. Special thanks to those who generously support this ministry. If you would like to give, visit us at StarkvilleCOG.com forward slash give. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.